It's a financial experience we all hope to avoid. But the fact is, bankruptcy happens. And in today's episode, we're going to take a closer look at what exactly that involves and how you can navigate it. Welcome back to MHV's Off the Trail. I'm your host, Mary Claire, and today we are joined by Hillary Nichols, who is the Loss Mitigation Manager here at MHV. Hello, Hillary. Hello. You have been on the podcast before, and we're excited to have you back. Um, even though this is kind of an uncomfortable topic, it's something that is important to discuss because it is a reality for a lot of people. And I think even just that fact that a lot of people face it. Um, because I, there's probably still some taboo feeling about having to, to deal with bankruptcy. So thank you for coming on to talk about it. Of course. Um, let's start with just a real quick hit about, um, you know, why does bankruptcy happen and, and how do people potentially avoid that? Yeah. So bankruptcy, very common, more common than you would actually think. Um, but it typically happens once somebody's expenses exceed their monthly income, um, which can happen for a variety of reasons, some of which are unavoidable, you know, an unforeseen financial hardship, um, you know, separation, uh, divorce or separation, loss of employment, um, an income reduction. Um, Those are unforeseen financial hardships that can unfortunately inevitably end up with bankruptcy filing. Um, And other reasons are more of, you know, improper management of your own finances, uh, excess spending, excess credit usage. Those those are typically that slow um, buildup over time that winds you up, you know, and inevitably filing bankruptcy. Um, To avoid it, I would say, you know, when, when you, when you find yourself in a position where you're considering bankruptcy or in a position where your expenses are starting to exceed your income, the best thing you can do is, and I always say this, is reach out to your creditors and be proactive. A lot of them have programs out there um, because they don't want to see you file bankruptcy. They don't want to see their debt discharged um, because that's a loss for the creditor. Um so it's definitely in their best interest to work with you. So, you know, be proactive, reach out to your creditors, be financially aware and alert, you know, manage your finances responsibly, monitor your credit uh, report on a regular basis, um, have a budget, stick to it, um, prioritize your debts, make sure that the most important things are being paid Um, And one thing that people really, it gets a lot of people are those, you know, subscription, those tiny little subscription services and things here and there. Um, When you buy them, $10 doesn't seem like a lot for a subscription service, but 10, $10 subscription services is $100 a month. And a lot of people don't even realize that, that that's happening, that they enrolled in that many. So just kind of pay attention to your your checking account and, and the debits that are coming out of that and the fees that are coming out of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. We talk about that a lot, Hillary on the podcast and in some of our videos, because like you said, it's something that people forget about, especially if yeah. they sign up for like a free trial and then, you know, mm-hmm. and then those subscriptions start hitting. Yeah. 
Um, you, so forget. Just, yeah. you forget how many you're enrolled in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so as you pointed out, unfortunately, it does happen, right? Even sometimes despite our best efforts, bankruptcy is a reality. So talk us through what is that process? What does it involve? Sure. So typically, you bankruptcy is going to start off with a consultation with a with a bankruptcy attorney. Um, most of which are usually free of charge. Um, and you'll you'll discuss your finances, and the attorney will advise you if bankruptcy is, is seems like the right option for you. Um, once you decide to move forward and you pay your attorney's retainer, your bankruptcy case gets filed. Um, keep in mind that until your bankruptcy case is, is officially filed, your creditors will continue to call you um, to collect past due payments. Um, but the most common bankruptcy chapters that are filed for individual consumers are chapter seven and 13. Your attorney would tell you and discuss with you which chapter was appropriate for you based on your circumstances. Chapter seven being very straightforward, typically lasts about 90 days. It's a uh, known for eliminating unsecured debts, whereas Chapter 13 is more of a repayment plan over three to five years um, uh, where a trustee is involved and, you know, you pay the trustee, the trustee disperses payments to the creditors. Um, once you do file bankruptcy, uh, that will halt any collection attempts from creditors, any repossessions or foreclosures that are in process. Credit reporting also stops. When you file bankruptcy, and that's because as soon as you file bankruptcy, what's known as an automatic stay is in effect for all creditors, which basically just means that they have to stop all of their efforts that are in process. Um, from there, the next steps are really contingent upon several things, you know, the bankruptcy chapter that you filed, the status of your accounts uh, at the time, and your own intentions, what, what you intend to do. Um, like I said, there's a trustee that gets appointed by the bankruptcy court, um, who pays down the creditors, looks at assets, liquidates them, pays down the creditors. Um, you can claim certain assets as, as exempt. So you don't have to worry that filing bankruptcy automatically means losing your home or losing your car. Um, it's, that's, that's not what happens. Um, the, goal outcome when you file bankruptcy is to receive discharge. How you get there depends on several factors, like I mentioned, you know, the status of things at the time of filing and what your intentions are. And when you mentioned the the trustee, that's only for the chapter 13 filing, or does that also happen with the uh, chapter seven, I think you said? So there's a trustee in both cases. A chapter seven can have, there are certain, it's rare, it's rare, but there are certain chapter seven cases that there are assets involved. Um, most of the time there's not. Uh, it's a pretty straightforward, quick 90 day um, bankruptcy case. Trustees are more prominent in a chapter 13 case because they're directly involved in the repayment plans to the creditors and the liquidation of assets, if any. Um, so they're definitely more involved in the, in the 13 case. Plus the 13 case is a lot longer uh, of a case than the chapter seven case. Now you mentioned that once the, the bankruptcy is filed, um, the collection calls and that type of thing cease. So does someone who is filing bankruptcy need to reach out to their creditors or so they just deal strictly with their attorney and then that kind of manifests everything else? Right. So they definitely want to deal 
directly with their attorney. That is the best option. Your attorney, you paid them. Um, there are, you paid them the retainer. They're now working for you and representing you in your bankruptcy case. So you should definitely go through your attorney for everything so that your attorney can file the proper paperwork with the court based on what you want to do, based on what your intentions are. Okay. So now someone goes through the process, they file. Um, what happens to their accounts? What happens to their checking accounts or their savings or their credit cards, their car? You know, t- talk to us a little bit about what, what they can anticipate. Sure. So as far as your, you know, what happens to your credit is concerned, obviously we know bankruptcy impacts your credit negatively. Um, chapter seven bankruptcies stay on your credit for 10 years. Uh, whereas chapter 13, stay on your credit for seven years. Um, as for deposit accounts, um, what I can say is that really depends on the financial institution's internal policy uh, for what happens with your deposit accounts. Uh, you know, there's some financial institutions where you can file bankruptcy and if they don't incur a loss because of your bankruptcy, they're not going to restrict any services that you have with them. Um, if they're not incurring a loss, whereas other financial institutions might restrict future services if you cause the loss. They can't collect it from you um, or ask you to pay it, but they can uh, decline any future services that you request going forward from that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with accounts that are included in the bankruptcy, there's two types of debts in your bankruptcy. You're going to have unsecured debts. And you're going to have secured debts and unsecured debts are like personal loans, credit cards, lines of credit. Um, those are typically lower priority claims as far as the bankruptcy court is concerned. And a lot of times, if you have a lot of unsecured debts, you're going to end up being a chapter seven bankruptcy. And those debts are discharged without payment to the creditors uh, in most cases. Um, And for that reason, if it is a credit card or a revolving line of credit, um, many creditors will shut down the line when you file bankruptcy to prevent future advances. Um, Unsecured debts are very straightforward in bankruptcy, though. There's no collateral. There's no car or or house attached to them. So they're typically just dischargeable debts. There are certain types of debts um, that are not dischargeable uh, and that I would advise speaking to your attorney about, but you're typical run-of-the-mill personal loan or credit card uh, through a financial institution is a dischargeable debt in the bankruptcy. Um, Discharge meaning that you don't have to pay the debt back. Um, Secured debts are the more complex ones. Secured debts are your car loan, your mortgage, your home equity loan, anything that has a piece of collateral attached to it. Um, So the most important thing to remember when you file bankruptcy is that and you have secured debts is that while your creditor can't collect from you or call you to ask for payment or proceed, you know, with repossession or foreclosure because of that automatic stay when you file, it doesn't mean that their lien on that collateral ceases to exist. You have to remember that the, the creditor still has a lien on the car or, or the property securing the mortgage, and they can still enforce that lien through repossession or foreclosure. So if you're past due when you file bankruptcy, and again, depending upon your intentions um, and whether you want to retain the collateral or not, the creditor is going to attempt to file a motion for relief from that automatic stay, which will just allow them to proceed with the repossession or the foreclosure. Um, And 
recover the collateral, sell it, uh, apply sale proceeds to the amount owed, and then the rest of that balance is then discharged with the bankruptcy discharge. So really important to know that just because you file bankruptcy, it doesn't necessarily wipe out somebody's lien. Mm -hmm. There are cases where that can happen, um, but you have to prove that there's no value in the collateral or the value of the collateral is lower than what you owe. And typically that's in a chapter 13 case um, that involves more assets. Um, If you wish to retain the collateral, you want to keep the car, you want to keep, you want to stay in your home. Um, There are things that you can do if you're past due. Uh, You can enter into a stipulation agreement with the creditor, which is just a way to pay the loan account up to date um, over the course of a plan. Um, You can, if the loan is current at the time that you file um, or after you get it brought up to date, you can always reaffirm a debt. You can sign a reaffirmation agreement, which is basically you saying that you're you're reaffirming your commitment to pay the creditor the amount that they're owed. Uh, and if you do that, it's, it's a reaffirmation agreement would be in your best interest because uh, if you wish to retain the collateral, because it allows you to continue making your payments and it allows them to be reported to the credit bureaus again. So there are cases where you might continue making your payments, but you don't sign a reaffirmation agreement. Um, in that case, it wouldn't you, you continuing to make the payments would allow you to keep the collateral, uh, but you don't get the benefit, the perk of having a good account reporting on your credit. Um, so the big difference is that with a reaffirmation agreement, the creditor is allowed to collect again on the debt because you did reaffirm your commitment to pay them. So once that bankruptcy is discharged, the creditor can start, if you, if you do miss a payment, the creditor can start making collection calls again, um, enforce their lien through repossession or foreclosure, and they can actually um, collect any deficiency balance or pursue a monetary judgment uh, after that, if you sign a reaffirmation agreement. So it really it depends on, on, your individual circumstances circumstances, and, and what your intentions are with the collateral. Now, with a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, you're typically entering into a repayment plan to retain the collateral uh, to begin with. So um, with accounts in a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, what I see most often is that the past due amount at the time of the bankruptcy filing is paid over that three to five year plan through the trustee. And any amounts that come due from the date of uh, bankruptcy filing forward are paid by you as normal directly to the creditor uh, going forward. And you, you pay up to you pay, make your payments on time from that point forward. And the trustee takes care of the past due amounts from prior to the bankruptcy filing. So that it kind of gets split up mm-hmm. um, and it helps you get caught up over a longer period of time than what you might have been able to do with a repayment plan straight mm-hmm. through the bank without a bankruptcy. Um, there's wanna, a lot of other options. Yeah, I want to stop right the there. Primary ones. Go back to the reaffirmation for a second, because you're sure. saying that could be a positive thing, right? Because then you have the the good reporting going back to your credit. But I'm gonna I'm gonna assume it doesn't negate the fact that there was a bankruptcy. It doesn't pull that off of your record. 
Right. So the bankruptcy itself shows up on your credit report no matter what. And credit reporting, as soon as you file a bankruptcy from all creditors, it freezes. It mm-hmm. stops. They, you, you're quoted as being um, as having filed bankruptcy. And when you're discharged, you're quoted as being discharged from the debt being discharged from bankruptcy. So you sign a reaffirmation agreement for an account and just that count begins to report again. All the other accounts still report the bankruptcy status and your bankruptcy itself still shows on your credit report. So when, when a lender is looking at a credit report, they see the bankruptcy as its own individual line item. And then they see all of the trade lines on their credit report. Okay. Okay. Um, and I just want to re- reiterate a couple of things you said. One being that the in the unsecured arena, right, your lines of credit, credit cards, typically those accounts are closed. So they're not going to be have, people aren't going to have access to those anymore. Um, And the other thing is, it sounds like a lot to figure out, but that's what the attorney is going to help you kind of figure out. Yes, absolutely. You pay your attorney that retainer, they represent you, they will let you know based on, on what you want to do, what the best action for you to take is. Excellent. So let's say someone's gone through it. They've gone through the process. Um, you know, the bankruptcy has been filed. They've been discharged. What does someone do afterwards? What's next? Right. The best thing that you can do after bankruptcy is stay vigilant when it comes to your finances. There are, unfortunately, we've heard of, you know, predatory lenders in the world. Um, these lenders who immediately will begin soliciting uh, new credit cards because they know you were discharged from bankruptcy, um, but they're high interest credit cards. Um, and they know you just filed bankruptcy. You can't file again. Um, if you just received a discharge, they know that they're going to be able to collect this money from you. So it's just be careful not to fall into that trap. Um, it's really enticing, especially because as we talked about, most of your accounts end up being closed when you file bankruptcy, your revolving accounts. So you don't have this safety net that of credit cards uh, of revolving credit available that a lot of people today depend upon. So it's really, really appealing when you get a new credit card offer immediately after coming out of bankruptcy. Um, so you have to try to, um, you know, avoid that trap that and, same thing with high interest auto financing. Um, you know, you're going you're going to receive an, these offers for you know a new car, um, but you have to pay attention to things like the interest rates um, because typically you're seen when you have a bankruptcy on your credit report and your credit score drops. Uh, you're seen as a riskier lending opportunity, so unfortunately the interest rates are, are higher initially. So just you know, be vigilant with your finances, stick to your budget, start rebuilding your credit, start monitoring your credit regularly. Uh, If you are going to take out a credit card, use it for smaller purchases, pay it off right away. Uh, Make sure you pay all of your bills on time going forward. And just generally do your best to avoid the old habits that had you in the position of having to file bankruptcy to begin with. Like I said, some things are unavoidable, unforeseen financial hardships. They happen to all of us, um, but you can control the things that are within your control um, to not, including bad spending habits. Uh, That's the best advice that I can give you for what to do afterwards. Mm -hmm. 
Excellent. Thank you so much, Hillary. Um, this was invaluable, a lot of really great information. Um, and I think, you know, it's worth mentioning again that, you know, bankruptcy isn't the easy way out. It shouldn't be like the the safety net, so to speak, but it is, it is a reality and it's not something to necessarily be ashamed of. Right. It's not something to be ashamed of. And there are the, the things that I mentioned are just a couple of a few various avenues that a bankruptcy case can take. There's other options in addition to the ones that I mentioned. Um, and it can really get you back on your feet from being in a bad position. So like you said, there's not the stigma around it um, that there used to be. It's It's been really helpful to a lot of people. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Hillary. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in. As always, if you have anything that you think we should talk about on the podcast, email us at podcast at mhvfcu.com. We will see you next time when we go off the trail.